0: Gen Z culture moves incredibly fast and it's only increasing in the rate of its acceleration.
1: Higher education moves comparably slow and therefore there's often a disconnect
0: between higher ed and prospective students. Everyone in higher ed wants to know what strategies and tactics work best to recruit this next generation of students. And just when folks think they've got it, preferences seem to change.
1: Welcome to Signals, a special series on the trends, indicators, and Gen Z behaviors shaping the future of higher ed digital advertising brought to you by Glacier and Enrollify.
0: I'm Zach, founder of Enrollify. And I'm Matt Diddlejan,
1: co-founder and CEO of Glacier, a digital advertising agency specializing in youth marketing and higher education.
0: You can subscribe to this series and access other podcasts, e-courses, videos, and more at enrollify.org. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Glacier, head on over to weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify and download one of their epic white papers. All right, without further ado, welcome to the show. Matt so we are about to do a breakdown of the ads that high school students actually remember and we're going to talk specifically about ads on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube and we'll see if uh, any other platforms sort of uh, surface as we, as we dive into the conversation and uh, for our listeners our, our goal is really to talk about sort of like lessons learned as we've helped clients launch campaigns on these respective platforms as we've sort of just interacted with these platforms ourselves as just consumers. What we've learned about what works, what doesn't, uh, what's interesting, what's not. And hopefully a lot of these tactics and strategies you can take and start implementing in your own context. Uh, Anything else you want to add, Matt, before we dive into Insta?
1: I don't think so. Well, actually, maybe one thing. One thing I just realized we hadn't discussed, which is programmatic or display advertising.
0: Ooh, yes. that's
1: one Because that's one that that consistently comes up. It's scored third highest in our ad recall amongst high schoolers. And, and we do a lot of digital display, programmatic advertising for higher ed. And I think we have some pretty interesting insights in that one, too.
0: Love it. Yes. How could we forget the good old uh, Google display? Um, we'll make we'll sure to that. we'll make sure to bring that it back, um, but let's start with Instagram because you know I, I would say of all of the platforms, obviously outside of Facebook, I, I feel like Higher Ed is at a place where they're like most comfortable with Instagram. Maybe you feel differently, but from my perspective, it's like. Instagram still was like a couple of years ago. Folks were like, "Oh, yeah, still trying to figure out our Instagram strat- strategy." But I think for most schools, they at least have some semblance of an Instagram strategy and some semblance of a strategy that's you know working pretty decently. So I think that that's the platform folks are maybe most comfortable with. Um, but from your perspective, like what's working, what's not, uh, any sort of like lessons learned from Glacier clients that are worth sort of like noting here.
1: Absolutely. So yes, I would say, I mean, surprisingly, Facebook is still the most comfortable platform that higher ed uses. 77% of higher marketers are still using Facebook for their ad spend. Uh, Instagram is, is the next highest. I can't remember the exact percentage off the top of my head, but it's in the high sixties. So they're definitely still comfortable with Instagram. And what is, what is working well on Instagram is, for sure video, like, you know, we've all heard it over the last number of years, but video, video, video is working better. And we've seen it time and time again, where, you know, a client will introduce video content into their Instagram campaigns. And then all of a sudden their click through rates jump by 0.2, 0.4, whatever it might be. Yeah. So the more, the more video, the better it is, it is by far the most engaging content. And on top of that stories are also working incredibly well. Like we we're, we're using story advertising on Instagram exceedingly well. Absolutely.
0: And to dive into stories in particular, I think one of the things that um, I'm seeing is more and more folks just spending time, like even just as consumer, even, e- I'll just speak for myself. Like when I lo- when I uh, open the Instagram app, like the first thing I do is hit stories. Like I, I don't, I used to like, the first thing I would immediately do was scroll. And now the very first thing I do is, you know, hit stories. And I imagine that I am not unique in this. Um, and so from your experience, what's working with story advertising in particular and like, are there any specific uh, like frameworks or hacks that you'd recommend folks use uh, and or implement if they're not already doing so? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're, we're seeing a lot of clients with success on stories and, and I think a lot of the, you know, we always, we always recommend creating content specifically for each platform because it will perform the best, you know. We, we've talked about before about how each platform is like its own little party, and you got to show up. And make sure you check the vibe of the party first before you start, you know, doing whatever. But on Instagram, you can you can get away with using the same content on stories as you would, you know. And you can put it on Snapchat. You can put it on TikTok as well. It's not going to be the best, but it certainly works. And we we and, and I say this only because. We do have a lot of clients that are you know hesitant to start advertising on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever. And we always just say, you know, if you do nothing else other than just have like an animated, an animated ad that is just a static ad that you've put added some animation to, we've we've seen them like I, I'm looking at our, our list of top performing content from 2020, 2021. And some of those are those static ads that we've just added animation to and huh. they perform reasonably well. So, and they're, they're super low cost. And like, like I said, we've, we've used those on, on Snapchat before too, and have had pretty good success. So the, like, that's the, that's the kind of like best bang for your buck way to do it. And then in terms of ones that have performed the best, probably one of the better ones, uh, they hired an agency and it was just this beautiful. And again, it was because, they they knew that their kind of unique thing was the location. They're mm. on you know the East Coast, and they hired this agency and just beautiful campus shots, you know, and then like really that slice of life advertising where it's like you can really envision yourself sitting at that cafeteria overlooking the ocean or you're running along the ocean in the morning. You know, like really beautiful, tasteful shots, and those those perform really well on Instagram as well in the story section.
0: Yeah, I I love that. Um, and one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, and we, you and I might have even uh, talked about this before. But it's like when you think about sort of like stories, right? Whether it's uh, Instagram, whether it's Snapchat, etc. It's like the i it, it can be it can be easy to sort of like pass over like what the intention was, right? And like the intention from these platforms, at least initially, right, is like a twenty four hour sort of like review of like what you've been up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what happens a lot by default is that folks treat Instagram stories as just another place to post sort of like traditional Instagram posts, kind of just in high frequency. Um, And I think that there's a ton of opportunity for folks to think a little bit differently about like, what does it look like to actually tell a story via Instagram stories? Meaning like, what would it look like to, I don't know, have maybe you develop sort of a campaign around your mascot. And It's like,, a, maybe you can't do this daily, but it's like weekly. like there's one story a week, and it's a true story about, you know, mascot Matt. And it's like, hey, this is what he has been up to. the this is what he ate. This is what he did after he ate. like this is uh what he learned today, right? Like, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to get really creative with how you run your Instagram stories. And again, I know we're we're not talking about story ads now. we're talking about stories a little bit more generally. But I think that like, there is uh, just a lot of missed opportunity to use, right, that space for what it was initially intended for and to actually do the work of storyboarding and crafting, maybe, again, maybe it's just a weekly story around your mascot. I think that that kind of content would get highly, not just consumed, but, like, shared. And if you want to grow your following and if you're looking for, like, a point of differentiation and you don't have, like, gobbles of money to spend on Instagram ads. I think a way to like differentiate and grow organically is to be very very intentional about telling a story through Instagram stories as frequently as you are able. Did any of that make sense and like what what, what do you think? It does. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and I'm I'm now remembering from our list of top performing creatives that two of those were absolutely that. It huh. was they, they they had students and it was just I can't remember exactly what the caption was, but it was like wondering what a day in the life of, uh, you know, whatever university student is like, well, here it is. And then it just shows them like, you know, at that amazing rally where it's like, whoa, that looks like fun, you know? And then like, like doing that, like goofy thing in their classroom where they're performing with students They're like, I met, I met my best friend and like, I had the time of my life and it's like, and it's authentic, yeah. like these are actual wow. videos from the students on that campus. And, and it's real stories of them meeting their real best friend, you know, yeah. or like going to their favorite class or like having th- their favorite meal in the, in the cafeteria, whatever it might be. But it's like, that is the kind of stuff that students really want to see is like the authentic, real story of what it's like attending your campus. And yeah. we've seen that too in the, in our data, like the, the fourth highest one, always the information that students want to receive about 46% of students, they want to see what student life is like on your campus. So Instagram stories, I think are just, you I think you nailed it. Like it's, it's perfect because that's, that's what they, they go there to expect. Like, that's why I love using Instagram stories is because I get to keep up with the people in my life I care about.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so
1: if all of a sudden a university is inserting an actual student life story into my feed, that's interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and I think like you expect like when you're on a whether it's an influencer or even just a friend, like when you when you click through to someone's profile, right, and you see like their actual like page and you see sort of like their their traditional sort of like posts. You expect those to be more polished, more thoughtful, like uh, depending on sort of like Mm -hmm. the account, right? There's uh, a zillion hashtags or or no hashtags. Like there's there's like, uh, you know, uh, some folks are really intentional about like their grid and making it look really pretty or give off a particular vibe. But when it comes to stories, it's like the expectation is that it is raw. It is, uh, you know, authentic. It's not highly edited. And I think that there's just... Uh, a massive uh, amount of room in the industry to get uh to get better at telling stories via these channels so Mm -hmm. if you matt were to you know launch an instagram campaign for a client if someone were to come to you and just say hey matt like we need some fresh ideas for for instagram like what would you recommend like where do folks start how much money roughly do you spend what kind of you know metrics might you use to sort of evaluate success anything that you would do to Craft a Insta campaign from like soup to nuts.
1: Mm, yeah, I would for sure focus on video and stories. I I would probably go for stories because that's where we're seeing such good success, such quick click throughs, all that engagement, everything like that is fantastic. And through this conversation, I'm realizing it's so simple. It's like what we advise on TikTok as well is harnessing the power of your own students because they're such good content creators, storytellers, etc. And just find students that already have good content or, or if they don't, they can go create it just create like a really great story of a day in the life of them on your campus. Yeah, And you, can even, you could even give them the pieces that you want them to highlight. You know, yep. if you're trying to really get it out there that you have small class sizes or that, you know, this program is amazing. You can give them those pieces and let them create the content around it, but just let them go out there and create the Instagram stories of a day in the life of what it's like and that becomes your ad. I think, I think that that would be killer. Yeah. And then we have seen that, like, like, like I said, I'm looking at our top performing ad creatives from the past year and quite a few of them are those day in the life of the student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. No. And, and, you know, the good news for schools is like uh, that kind of content isn't necessarily new. Like folks know that like students want to understand what it's like to visualize themselves on your campus. The, you know, the challenge, right, is, like, how do you now do it in a format that's a little bit different? Like, primarily video, primarily, like, Instagram stories. And I think that's where, like, the, you know, friction and, and work will come in. Uh, but mm. the idea, like, the the idea that that kind of content works and is helpful isn't isn't new, which is exciting.
1: Uh, here, I just, this just came to me, and I think it would be brilliant, is if you could actually create cause we know that students are looking for program information more so than any other kind of information. Yeah. It's like, I think it was like 56% of students are looking for program information. And so if you could figure out who the students are that are looking at, you know, what program the students looking for, and then the ads you serve them up are a day in the life of that student in that program, I think that'd be absolutely killer. Brilliant. Crush it. You know, if you could find, if you could find, yeah, if you have a student who's interested in engineering or whatever, and then you have like, a few engineering students that create your Facebook stories or sorry, you know, Facebook, Instagram stories, and then, and then you target them with those ads. I think that would be absolutely killer.
0: Yeah. Love it. Uh, full stop there. Um, you know, I think that when it comes to these campaigns too, uh, HubSpot, uh, just put out this like really interesting article about like the kinds of advertisements, uh, the kinds of content that Gen Z consumes, uh, and, and remembers. And when it comes to Instagram specifically, it's story content. Like it's something mm-hmm. like 60% of, uh, Gen Z consumers remember seeing an ad via stories versus like, I think it's 40% in like their traditional feed. So for what it's worth, it does seem like Instagram story advertising is the way to go. And even if again, mm. as you've just mentioned, like there's not a ton of budget for that. Like start by just creating a really incredible organic story and find ways to drive traffic to that particular story. Um, Cause I think that that's where you'll get, as you've mentioned uh, the best bang for your buck.
1: All right. What about
0: Snapchat? Uh, How do you feel? How do you feel about Snapchat? What's working? What's not? Uh, Anything that you might do a little bit differently on Snapchat versus Instagram? Mm
1: -hmm, Absolutely. So, yeah, Snapchat, I think, is the dark horse of of advertising for high school students. It's one that doesn't get much attention because it's been around for a long time. So the novel, the novelty is just not there. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't grab the headlines the same way TikTok or Clubhouse or whatever might, but it is, you know, the usage statistics have remained static over three years. 86% of students are using it on a daily basis. And so therefore, and, and when we, the last time we did the survey, only 9.5% of higher ed marketers are actually advertising on Snapchat. So there's just a huge sea of opportunity here, we think, with Snapchat. And so what's working? Yeah, we, we think, and again, I'll, I'll start off by saying like the bank for your buck option, yeah. which is if, cause we, we, we hear this so much with TikTok and Snapchat is, oh, we don't, you know, we don't have an account, so we can't actually, like, we don't have an organic account. So therefore we can't run TikTok or Snapchat ads. It's like, yes, you can. You don't need, you don't need an account, in fact, to run ads on TikTok or Snapchat. So what's, and and if, if you're really just looking to, you know, get into it or just start with it, I'll say it again. It's the, it's the animated ads. Like we've yeah. seen such success with those. And I, I almost hate, there's almost like the artist inside of me just like cringes at that because it's, you know, it's like almost like the engineering solution to, to advertising. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like science versus art, yes. but it works. Like the, the numbers we're seeing, like they, they work really quite well. If, if like, that's the only thing you can do you just want to dip your toes in the, in the, in the water, then those, then those animated ads work well. But it's like we talked about last time where Snapchat is that communication platform. Students that are on there, they're used to using it more like a text message rather than a consumption platform. So really keeping that in mind when, when, uh, when crafting messaging is really important. So um, we always say like act like the Snapchatters do on the platform. So it's bite-sized, single-shot scenes that get straight to the point. Those are always the ones that, that, that is what a Snapchat is. And those really work well. And it's important to really establish the brand in the first two seconds. But, you know, we, we see this before too, or we've seen this before where the college or university, they'll just open with a, a logo of their, of their brand university. That's again, and it's like entering the party and you're just showing up and just like being so loud and obnoxious. Mm. It's like, Oh, dude, like calm down, like understand the vibe of the room before you're doing it. So it's, it's all about having that engaging content and then, you know, bringing in the brand later for sure. But it's the bite-sized single shot scene that is so emblematic of Snapchat that, that we're seeing success with. Well, and the other thing on, on is, uh, is time. So six to eight seconds is the best length for snap and TikTok ads. Six to eight seconds.
0: Six to eight seconds. Like okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's super, super mm-hmm. helpful, uh, which, you know, it seems short, but at the same time, like that's a decent amount of time, right? When it comes to sort of like a video ad, right? Like it, it six to eight seconds, like th- you can do a lot with that. Um, and, oh, absolutely. and I like the idea, I like what you mentioned too, about sort of like not it's sort of like how do you strike the balance between introducing the brand very quickly, but also not opening with like the logo? Because that's what people do. Like people read these stats or they go to a conference and they hear you got to introduce the brand within the first two seconds. And so, of course, they default to whatever creative that they're using or running to having a big, nice, flashy logo as like the first thing that the user sees. And yet, at the same time, think about sort of like your own behavior. If you see a logo right off the bat as you're scrolling through Snap Stories, you're going to you're going to you're going to hit next, right? Like you're you yeah. it's just that that's how it works. You're not going to swipe up like you're going to move on. It's going to be so obvious. And, and I think it's it's almost just like it's instinctual. It's just like it's just your your behavior is to skip something that isn't what, you know, you are there to actually see. So I think like yeah, the brands that can like strike that balance between introducing the 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 logo, introducing sort of like the brand name however they want to do it quickly, but also not too quickly so that they're not the annoying character at the party that everyone looks at, but then rolls their eyes and, you know, moves on as you've uh, so nicely alluded to that those are the folks that are going to win. And that's, and it's hard to do. Uh, One quick note on Snapchat. And I don't know if you guys have any data on this, but like, um, uh, I was reading an article, I think it was like a couple weeks ago, on like this like foot traffic uh, targeting parameter on Snapchat where basically like you can target folks, uh, you know, that are currently at a particular place uh, or in a particular area. Um, and I, I'm wondering like if you guys have any sort of insight uh, that's meaningful around like when students are on campus tours, like uh, is there any benefit to doing some sort of like geofencing campaign or uh it, like wh- i guess what is the what is the role if any of snapchat maybe even instagram but let's just focus on snapchat now uh what is snapchat's like role with respect to advertising for like on-campus experiences if any
1: mm. so are you thinking more like uh prospects on campus doing a tour yeah you want to serve them up with ads or something
0: exactly exactly like you're on campus you're on tour like you're uh walking around you're kind of listening to the tour guide but then you're also like picking up your phone and you might even be like snapping your friends. Right. But like, you know, you're waiting for the director of admissions to come out or the director of financial aid to come out. So you pop out your phone and I and like, you're scrolling through your, your stories. Like what role, if any, should schools play in capitalizing on attention, right? Digital attention. While there's also sort of like physical yeah. presence. Like how are are you guys thinking about that? Are your clients thinking about that? And any sort of like stories you can share if so.
1: Yeah, no, I can honestly say I've never thought about that before, but I think it's a brilliant idea. And the the good news is you just made me think of something that we were just talking about in one of my executive meetings recently, which was that the time to reach out to uh, a lead or a client is the time when they're most interested in thinking about you, Yeah, which generally means as soon as that lead comes in, Yeah. right? So from my perspective, like when a lead comes in through our website, the time to reach out to them is like immediate, you know, because that's... That's when they're thinking about you. That's when they're like on your website, they're looking around. It's like that's the time to talk to you. And I think that same principle translates to a university or a college campus tour as well, where it's like, what's the best time to talk to someone when they're on your campus? You know? <laughs> and, and so it's like, and so it's like, yeah, if 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 that student is on my campus doing a campus tour, I would want to own their phone. Yeah. You know? And the, and the good news there is like because you can get so detailed with the parameters, it wouldn't be that expensive, you know? Cause you're, you geofence your university, you say anyone that is 18 years or younger, uh, we want to serve them ads in this location. We're going to bid super high because there's not many people. And then, yeah, you would own their phone, like anywhere they go, whether it's like programmatic, any of the any of the social platforms you could own. And it wouldn't be, would not be hard or expensive to keep that running in the background, I don't think.
0: Yeah. So that
1: that's a really interesting one, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that there's like, Again, just missed opportunity. Um, and to your point, you're right, we talk all the, we talk a lot about how thank you trigger emails, right, are like the most opened emails uh, that that we see, right? Like because right after you subscribe or to a newsletter or you like yeah you know, sign up for an event or whatever, you're thinking about that brand like they're they're top of mind for you, and so the likelihood of you opening that. Thanks, Matt, for subscribing to Enrollify email is very, very, very high. You you know, we see Mm -hmm. like 75, 85% open rates on those sort of like trigger-based communications. And yet oftentimes those emails are like, thank you. And then like, that's it. Or here's a link to our podcast. Give it a listen that's the opportunity to like upsell people or that's the opportunity to like ask Matt for more information or to do something else because you will never have as much attention in all likelihood of Matt as you have in that particular moment. So like, what are the second, third, fourth, you know, things that you want Matt to do? Again, he doesn't have to do any of them, but like give him that option. Like don't just lead him to, to a dead end. We talk about that a lot. So when it comes to sort of like Snapchat advertising, when a student is at your school Anytime, to to your point, anytime that they are uh, on their phone, anytime they've left the physical world and entered sort of the virtual world, you sure as heck better remain top of mind so that they don't very quickly like get sucked into some, you know, wormhole and totally forget about sort of like the great experience that they just had or are currently having at your institution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, I was also thinking a pretty cheeky thing you could do would be to have that same targeting parameter on your competitor's campus, so that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as they're on campus, tour, it's like, oh, so bored that you're on your phone during a campus tour. Come check out, you know, like you, you oh, can that's Brilliant! I love that. <laughs> but what you can even do then afterwards is you you have their you, you can you can retarget them based on you you know you can get a. Um, figure out who's been on this campus at this particular time or whatever. And then you can retarget them with ads later. Like hope you enjoy the campus tour, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And getting that grant. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's super clever.
0: I I love I love the I love the competitor campaign. And honestly, Mm -hmm. if if anyone listening to this should stop listening right now and go figure out how to run one of those. Because that would just be again, not enough people are doing this, as we just mentioned before, as you mentioned, like nine point five percent of higher ed marketers are spending anything on Instagram or excuse me, Snapchat. And there's just an incredible opportunity here. If eighty-six percent of students are using Snapchat on a daily basis and only nine point five percent of higher ed marketers are paying to get in front of those students on a daily basis. Come on folks. Like that, that, that screams opportunity. Um, and you know, we, we talk, we talk a lot about like crowded marketplaces and like why higher ed, why it's so hard for higher ed to differentiate. Here's an opportunity where higher ed can in fact differentiate and can do so affordably. Uh, because again, competition is just so low. So, uh, How does all this translate to TikTok? Like, talk to us about like uh, TikTok. What's working? What's not? Uh, In uh, last episode, we sort of talked about sort of like the differences between platforms where folks go for consumption versus communication. So. When you think about sort of like TikTok and what's working and what's not with uh, Glacier clients, any any sort of like notable trends or frameworks you'd recommend people implement or consider as they think about their TikTok strategy?
1: Sure, absolutely. So the if you want to see schools that are doing TikTok well, two of the ones that we've seen are Louisiana State University. And I think Florida state is the other big one. They have hundreds of thousands of followers and they're just, they're doing TikTok well, you know? And so I think, I think some of what's working and we talked about this a little bit last time, but it's, it's really building that system and structure that just becomes this content generating machine that is creating great content all the time. And so that's really getting the right people in place. And so so, like what we're what we're talking about right now, one of the things that we're doing with one of our clients is we are helping them hire the coordinator that's going to take over the account and they've got to you know have really great taste on what good TikTok content is. And then they're gonna be coordinating with a group of five students that are now their content creators. And so that and we've seen this formula work at other campuses too, where they just you know hand over their TikTok account to students and let them create content, and they're exceptional content creators. So that's what we're seeing work well. And in terms of the content that they're actually producing, it's it's staying up to date with the trends on TikTok. Hmm. You know that can, that can both be like the the trending videos, the types of videos, the different dances, or even just songs. You know, um, like one of the one of um, my my uh, my wife, she just posted this video on TikTok. She's a TikTok creator, content creator, and it's uh, it was just riffing off this one song that another influencer had played, and she just took that song and then added her own uh video content to it, and they got 2.7 million views wow. in a couple of days. So it's just like it's just it's just really building that system of of you know, okay, Monday you sit down, you look at the trends, you look at the new songs that have come out. And then you start ideating and then Tuesday or whatever, you know, you actually start uh, storyboarding them, how they could look. And then Wednesday you actually create them. And then, and then Thursday you you go off to publication, and actually approve them or that kind of a thing. But it's like building up this system and the structure that just produces quality content over and over and over. I think that is, that is the key with really any platform, but TikTok in particular, because TikTok is also, the algorithm is so different, right? Like it's, it's, it's anyone's anyone's video at any, any time can blow up anyone. It doesn't matter if you have zero followers or a million followers. If you produce a video that is good or at least good, you know, quote unquote, according to them, according to their algorithm, because basically how it works is the video goes in front of the small select group of people first, usually regional and then if it's liked or engaged with enough, then it goes to a bigger group and a bigger group and a bigger group. And it's, it's been fun to sit, you know, cause my, my wife, she's had numbers, a number of videos go viral now and you just see it happen. And all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, okay. Now it's got 30,000 overnight and then boom, the next day it's like a million. And it's like, Whoa. And it's just because they keep expanding the audience that it gets shown to. So how can universities and colleges create this content creating machine wherein the probability of you producing viral videos is significantly increased. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. I, I totally love that roadmap and that, and that framework that you just outlined in, I think it should be encouraging for folks, right? Like maybe it's, if something's working well for your audience, right? Like your students, like, test something like validate ideas with your own students right then create tiktok mm-hmm. blast it right uh to sort of like your, your post it right it'll start regionally as you've just mentioned and if there is quick adoption by existing students at your institution right that like this that are that are interested in it, that share it with their their friends and, and and family like as as tiktok naturally sort of like grows right who they show this particular content to you can almost rest assured that oh wow well, like If this is performing well at a regional audience right and if a lot of the folks in our region are our target uh uh audience as an institution as this expands nationally we can we can be assured too that there's almost like a guarantee that this uh, particular content is going to reach more people sort of within our target audience but just in different geographic areas which is like it's basically like doing the quote-unquote targeting for you um which is Mm -hmm. which is really really interesting um uh, another thing i wanted to mention that i i can't remember if this was uh something that you all had in your report or something from like marketing dive but uh i just pulled this up um in my in my notes and um, you know, I was uh, you guys put out a lot of stuff about ad recall and marketing dive put out this really interesting like report. I think it was like a few months after you guys published yours around sort of like how Gen Z's uh, propensity to like remember video ads compared to sort of like previous generations and to be able to like name the brand mm-hmm. right. And um, so uh, I'm I'm reading from this report and it says 59% of Gen Zers recalled a brand's skippable video ad compared with just Forty-seven percent of millennials, um, which is shocking, right? Like what—that's what, like twelve percentage points, uh, you know, higher of of Gen Z that actually remember a skippable video ad. So like they're still skipping the ad, but the content for whatever reason, you know, maybe per like, what we were talking about last episode with my brother and his, you know, where his brain is at and just how quickly he makes decisions digitally speaking maybe it has something to do with like their psyche right and how they consume uh uh, information but like you can skip a video ad and still and and 59 percent of them can still recall the brand that put that video ad out compared to just you know 47 percent of millennials that's crazy
1: so you're actually you're actually missing part of that stat i don't know if it's part of that set or a different one but um they actually watch the ad for half of the time of millennials.
0: Wow. And yet they okay. remember
1: it. So that, that's the other part of that stat, which is like, whoa, that's mind blowing. So yeah. it's like, they're watching the ad for half of the time yet significantly larger percentage of them actually retain it. Yeah. It's, so that's crazy. Right. Yeah. So it's like, that, that's why, you know, when crafting these ads, it's why you talked about the, the sweet spot is like that six to eight seconds. But even, I think it was like two seconds. Like they watched it for two seconds and then recall it. Yeah. It's nuts. So it's like, your ads don't have to be long. They don't have to be these like incredibly beautifully produced cinematic features it can be like five seconds but it's just got to be good yeah it's got to be engaging entertaining and whatever and 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 they'll remember it absolutely
0: i i think a, a last uh comment on this point and then we can kind of move on is it's also i think just an indicator or, or a reminder that like you know what you have in those first two frames really really matters like if in fact gen z is skipping after two three seconds whatever it is right like and, and they are remembering the brand correctly, whether it's color palettes, logos, like message, whatever it is, there is something in those those first two seconds that the creators of that content like must have nailed. Right. So like what is it in those first two to three seconds in those first like one or maybe two video frames that must be there? So that you can at the very least have ad recall before somebody skips it. Like I think that that's the sweet spot. So six to eight seconds, right? As as you've mentioned, that's the sweet spot for video ads. Okay, great. But for those first two to three seconds, like what is it that needs to appear? Like what 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 is sort of like the format? What are the colors? Are you using this logo or that logo? Like are you? uh, How much are you sort of baking in additional messaging? Like who's the model? Like whatever. Like. How do you nail those first two to three seconds? Because if you can, even if they skip that ad, according to this data, 59% of Gen Z is going to remember your brand. That's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Another another piece on that I forgot to mention, which I think is very important, is that with TikTok, you never really know what's going to work. Mm. And and I've seen it with my wife, too, where, you know, she'll, she'll spend an hour producing this TikTok video, which she's like, this is amazing. It's going to kill it. Post it flat, you know, <laughs> she'll spend 30 seconds producing this TikTok video, which she's like, oh, this is garbage. And I'm like, well, just post it. Like, you never know, just post it. She posts it, you know, hundred thousand views overnight. It's like, you, you never know with TikTok. Yeah. And so, you know, you make your best educated guess, but you, you've really just, it's, it's really a volume game. And, and, uh, you know, just always try to produce, you know, quote unquote quality, like, like make sure it's good and you have to like it and enjoy it to actually post it you can't just be producing crap you know it's actually got to be decent but with tiktok you never know what's going to hit you mm. never know
0: yeah Yeah. wow no i i that's fascinating um and and encouraging like to to anyone who's, yeah. even if you're just getting started like even if you've never posted a tiktok it's like hey like you who knows you could post your first video and it could go viral um so I love that. I love that. It's, it's sort of like an even playing field, uh, which is exciting. All right, let's talk yeah. about uh, YouTube. And then why don't we rope in sort of uh, display and programmatic into this conversation as well? Because, you know, a lot of folks sure. that are, you know, running display campaigns are running video display campaigns and you know youtube obviously owned by google um lots of sort of like synergies there and in, in terms of ad types ad offerings etc so what for your clients that are doing youtube ads or doing uh programmatic and, and display what's working like what's not anything that uh is is notable in terms of like formulas that seem to work consistently um etc
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so some very technical things we can start there so Adding in video content on programmatic display or or you know YouTube, whatever it might be, uh you will see a bump in 0.2 to 0.4 click-through rate increase wow. like massive wow. just by adding wow. video. And that and I'm saying that my my accounts team really asked me to like, you know, use those numbers to understate it so we're not overselling. But we have seen some clients achieve as much as a 400 percent increase <sighs> when they when they just by adding video. All of a sudden they added video on programmatic and they, they saw an increase of 400 percent in the click-throughs. It was insane. But the, the ones where you, you can pretty pretty assuredly see increases is 0.2 to 0.4%. So that's that's one very technical thing. And then another very technical thing is the, the full screen ads over banner ads for mm, sure. Okay. Banner ads, you know, you're looking at a 0.23 to, to 0.14 on the high end with the click-through rates. But with uh, with full screen, you know, we're looking at more like two point eight six percent click through rates. Wow! So so it's it's consistently higher, and that's across you know many clients, the full screen over banner ads. And I know they're 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 more expensive for sure, but like the performance is worth it. We think so. That's a couple of very very specific things on uh on on whether it be YouTube or programmatic display that kind of thing.
0: On that note, do you all see have you have you noticed any sort of like variance in terms of like offer with display? Like that works well like is is it better to offer something specific like uh an event that you might be promoting and it's a it's an invite to RSVP to a recruitment event or it's a general like apply now or it's a very specific hey, you know, uh check out our major in business administration or check out Dr. So-and-so the head of this department, like when it comes to sort of the actual ad offer and the CTA, anything notable in terms of like, what is more likely to see a higher click through rate than, than other things?
1: It all comes back to relevance really. So it's like, you know, we've talked about this before where it's like, it's gotta be relevant to that particular audience. So if if you're showing an ad about engineering to someone who's interested in business it's not going to be relevant you're not going to see a good click through rate or anything like that or even depending on the time of year you know if you're if you're showing someone an ad about uh apply now and they're still in the in the, you know, figuring out phase, it's not going to be relevant. And if, if they're, and it also depends on where they're at in the funnel, right? Like if they're, if they're lower funnel, they're like ready to apply. They're ready to accept that enrollment offer, wherever it is. And you're showing them a general brand awareness ad not relevant. Yeah. So it's got to be relevant to who they are, who the audience is and then where they're at in their buying journey. So that, that is more of a general comment about the the creative that performs really well. So getting those two things nailed is probably gonna be way more important than what, what is actually on the ad itself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Matt. One of the things that we've encouraged folks to do who, especially those that are like brand new to video advertising, and they're like, oh, I know that we need to do video. I know that we need to be doing video on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat, et cetera. But like I just I am scared or I only have this one video, or creating videos just takes so much time and energy and effort. Like one of the things that we've been encouraging folks to do is like, hey, start with YouTube. Like, because right, when it comes to YouTube, right, you can take advantage of a lot of Google's yeah targeting criteria right so like you can get a lot more granular than you can on for instance like a tiktok um and right like students spend a Shit ton of time on YouTube, right? The average Gen Zer is ninety percent of Gen Z visits YouTube on a daily basis, and it's something like uh, I think that the average is like an hour time spent consuming YouTube content per day, right? Like they are they consume a lot of video content on YouTube, and and YouTube, right? Unlike sort of like Instagram or TikTok, like m- you're you're typically going to YouTube to watch longer form content, right? Like you're not there to watch a fifteen second story, um, and so I think that like the ad offerings, are skip. uh, in-stream ads uh pre-roll video ads etc like they're a little bit more conducive to testing things out especially if you're new to video um i think it can be a little bit less scary to be able to be like oh i can still launch this campaign through google ads which i know how to do i can target folks uh in a similar way that i'm used to etc it can be less uh, i guess just a little bit less cumbersome than working within the context of a brand new platform so what, I guess, what are your thoughts on like, if folks are just starting out with video advertising, is YouTube the place to start? Should they start on Instagram somewhere else? Like when you think about video ads and you are consulting with your clients around where to get started from a platform's pers- perspective, like what do you recommend?
1: Mm. Yeah. It's what we talked about before, you know, if they, if they have like no budget and they just want to get started. And and like I said, if you just, and I've I've seen this with some of our clients, they are not the best ads. They're just a static ad that we've added some animation to and it boosts their click-through rate by 0.2 to 0.4% just by adding some static. And it costs like 500 $2, yeah. bucks, 2000 yeah. bucks to get that done. It's not much. So even if, if that's the only thing you do, it works, it works. It's quick and dirty. It is the engineering versus the artist's approach to advertising. Um, however, you just gave me an idea for, for YouTube advertising, which is, is there other content that you can repurpose that your university is already pumping out yeah. that you can repurpose as ads? Cause some of the, honestly, some of the best ads I've seen on YouTube are from Headspace. Hmm. The, like, I love meditation. I meditate every day and uh, Headspace, I find their ads are brilliant because they've literally just taken their meditation lessons and use them as advertising. Yeah. You know? So it's like, like I've literally done one of their lessons before on their Headspace app and I go on YouTube and I see that same lesson as an ad because uh-huh. it's number one, it's providing so much value, right? Even if you only watch it for 10 seconds, you're picking up a tip on meditation that you can apply to your daily life. Yeah. you know, So it, and it's just such a brilliant ad and, and people are much more prone to accepting longer form ads on YouTube because it is a longer form platform, right? Like people go there to watch movies yep. for hours. So therefore they might watch a two minute ad. If, if it's relevant to them, like I have actually watched, ads before they're relevant because, uh, like other ones I've seen too, where they're like these people talking about marketing or entrepreneurship business, whatever it might be. And they are people that actually have some renown and I'll actually sit and watch a two minute ad because I know that they're a thought leader in the space and I want to actually hear what they have to say. Yeah. You know? So it's like, is there longer form videos that universities are already producing that they could use in this type of advertising? Yep. You know, is there like you know, like we talked about a little bit before, but like, is there students that are interested in psychology? Like, do you have a really good psychology prof who's teaching about a really fascinating topic in psychology? And then you have that as your pre-roll ad. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I think, I think that would be pretty brilliant.
0: I, yeah, I, you're, you're giving me a couple ideas too. I think like, right. I, I've been, um, thinking about, um, masterclass a lot lately right and like how masterclass Mm -hmm. approaches marketing and uh Uh, there's this you know project that we're working on here in rollify and so i've been taking a lot of inspiration from masterclass and their ads like their trailers for their courses are phenomenal and it's basically a two to three minute sort of trailer but like and I, I've seen some of these ads on YouTube and like anytime one pops up, I watch it. Because one, it's like masterclass, yes, I associate yeah. it with high quality, but it's also it's like some notable character like Bob Iger from Disney or whatever. And so like you you're you're compelled based off of like who the subject matter is to at least like give it a watch. Um, Before you hit skip, and I have found myself on multiple occasions watching full masterclass ads. The same thing, uh, I think you know. I think about Charity Water, which is this super cool uh, uh, nonprofit. If you're not familiar with them, Uh, Scott Harrison's the founder. They're trying to you know bring clean water to everyone on the planet. You know, before his uh, before the end of his life, and he's I don't know, probably in his like mid 40s or whatever. Very cool, like entrepreneur um, doing radical things in in the charity space. Charity uh, Charity uh, Water has a a 30 minute YouTube ad. Um, that like they they have insane viewership on like I can't remember the stat off the top of my head but like millions of people have watched all thirty minutes of this ad because it's just so well done so I I, th- I think to your point yes a hundred percent schools should take some of their more interesting uh, videos maybe maybe what they even do like maybe this is a really effective use of creative spend and uh, a, a good marketing campaign make a masterclass like trailer featuring one of your faculty members and use that as your YouTube advertising use that as as sort of like uh, your your teaser for an upcoming recruitment event, whatever it might be. I think that'd be, you know, significant bang for your buck. You could repurpose it on a number of platforms. You could even chop that two to three minute video up into, you know, versions that are 20, 15, you know, uh, 30 seconds, et cetera. Um, love that idea. I think that that's, uh, that's a remarkable place to start. Think about the content that you already have and figure out how to repurpose that in the context of video advertising.
1: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I love that
0: well um cool man uh this was fun uh any any last minute uh thoughts or ideas on, on social advertising specifically as it comes to kind of like campaign development that you want to share before we before we sign off for the day
1: maybe just one last thing that i i, I remembered and i we didn't talk about it but on one of the one of the coolest campaigns that i've seen on tiktok was the the client's they, we, we hired some influencers and, and we found there you know, some influencers on their college campus that were TikTok creators and it was about promoting an open house. And it was some of the coolest content because she followed the, the trend and it was I uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was one of those ones, like it was the song and like, it was right on trend. Huh. And then, and it was like, this is what I show, my parents about college versus this is what actually happens at college. Nice. And then she created a TikTok, and it was just so well done. And I just, I thought it was brilliant. And I think that just like, that just shows the, the power of what can happen when the marketing director or, or the marketing department can work in conjunction with the student and they jam and vibe together. Or like we just talked about with YouTube, like working with the faculty to jam and vibe together and, and create beautiful marketing that actually delivers value for the student
0: love it hey that's the goal and i think that hopefully some of the insight that uh we gave folks today will empower them to you know reach that end because i think that yeah when that happens like that's where that's where the magic happens um and it, you know what if you when you nail that like it's actually fun right and it doesn't actually feel like work it feels like you're creating something meaningful and selling something that is is particularly valuable so um love it love your insights as always matt thanks for being here and uh we'll chat again soon
1: That was a ton of fun. Thank you so much.